0: In this episode of Property Hustlers, Ping and I are going to be talking to Ashton Lambert, who is going to be sharing with us his perspective on how the real estate market is affecting mortgages. He is a real estate investor, mortgage broker, and he is a local Hamiltonian. And we're very excited to have you here, Ashton welcome to the show. Thanks, Andrew. Appreciate it, man. So Ashton, I want to start off by asking you a few questions. Like, You are an experienced real estate investor, you are a mortgage broker, and I understand that you have tons of experience in the industry, but I want to start off with something fundamental, which is why real estate for you?
1: Yeah. So for me, um, I'm 31 now. When I got into mortgages, I was um, in my early 20s and I was always surrounded by top-notch realtors, Um, Some of the people in my office were real estate investors themselves who have a couple years on me, but have always chatted about the fruits of their labor, about how they got into real estate investing early. And that was really the vehicle to accelerate their life and their wealth for their family. Um, So obviously being younger um, and being around that almost immersed in that world, um, the juices started flowing in my head, right? And just over time, uh, made the leap myself, um, ultimately with the same vision of them as as having the uh, acceleration of, of life and wealth, um, overall for, uh, for myself and my family. Well inspired then.
2: Yeah, for sure. For sure. So there's no family influence.
1: Uh, no, no family influence directly anyways.
0: You know, a lot of people actually, when they get started in real estate, they either start from like knowing somebody or, you know, they see it, somebody, they see it through somebody else or they have like books, like rich That poor That for most real, for a lot of real estate investors who are getting inspired into the industry. But for you, you're watching people and you're just like they can do this i can do this kind of thing yeah right?
1: and just it was always just positive conversations as well of of the outcomes um and some some people would even talk about some of the returns on their social media or whatnot i'm like you know what i want i want some of that so yeah. um yeah that was that was really kind of the accelerator to get me interested in that so what year did you get in uh 2017 me and my wife bought our first house bought our primary residence in hamilton um shout out to my wife she uh she pushed us to do that and we uh, we got in in 2017 um at the time we're still kind of dabbling in okay like what kind of route do i want to go in terms of acquiring properties how long do i want to take this obviously i have a spouse she's part of every uh equation and every conversation as well right so 2017 bought our first home um and we used that and leveraged that uh, as the years went by to grow
0: so what 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 was it that came first? Was it uh, your work as a mortgage broker, or was it real estate? Well,
1: when I started mortgages, I was on the admin side when I was younger, and then over time, I made the leap to an underwriter, and then about four years ago, got my actual mortgage license and started um, working on transactions there. Right. So probably in unison with buying my first home, the real the uh, the real estate career and the mortgage career uh, were in sync, and the trajectory started from there.
0: You know, that actually sounds, yeah. that sounds good. That sounds almost actually... it's meant to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To a be. lot of synergy. Yeah, work. Yeah, yeah. yeah, synergy, yeah. <laughs> Did it give you, and like, this might be, you know, a glimpse into what people are doing? Because, you know, imagine even in that line of work, if you're in the admin side, you can see what other people are doing, how they're refinancing their properties maybe, and yes. see the wealth that they're generating. And that must have caught your eye and your attention.
1: For sure, yeah. On the admin side, and then even more so when I developed into the underwriting role, um, literally underwriting the transactions that I would see. And again, wow, look look at this property they bought, look at the return they had, look what they were able to do after this return. Like I saw that firsthand, literally the math and literally the numbers, and I would underwrite those files. And uh, I I wanted a piece of it myself and wanted to learn, right? Yeah.
0: So that real estate investing journey, where do you invest primarily? Born and raised Hamiltonian, like you said, so
1: portfolio for now is in Hamilton as well. Again, my wife, she's She's my wife, so she's obviously a big part of my life, Um, and we make decisions together. And just comfort-wise, we wanted uh, quick physical accessibility to the properties that we have, so we were able to to buy in some pockets within Hamilton. They're close by to where we reside, so that's comfortable for us. Maybe over time, we'll branch out, but uh, the Hamilton market, as I'm sure you guys would know and a lot of people know, it's been a really popular one for a long time, so I think it's been a good choice. Are Mm
2: -hmm. there any challenges that you guys go through? Currently? No, like as you as you were scaling up. As we portfolio. were
1: scaling, yeah. So probably the number one thing that I think even in life as we get older that we realized is just expectation setting. We were able to acquire the properties that we did, but thought renovations would be a little bit quicker, um, thought the eventual uh, returns would be a little bit quicker. Um, Obviously, in the age of social media and um, the willingness that real estate investors in general have to share their positive stories. They're not often always sharing the time it took to get to those, right? So it's not always a quick return. It's not always instant gratification. And I think we, we're like, okay, we'll buy a property and uh, we'll be rich. <laughs> it, it doesn't work like that, right? So expectations um, were something that we kind of learned along the way. And okay, the next project we take on, let's maybe budget for six months of carrying a property as opposed to three months. Let's maybe budget for Um, hey, if the appraisal comes in at this amount or this amount, what does that look like for our return as well? Um, You really only learn that from having the hands-on experience and doing it, right? So expectation setting was probably the initial struggle because we made a lot of assumptions. But now that we have that under our belt, um, we're able to kind of gauge how future projects will go.
0: Do you find that being a mortgage broker and having that admin, uh, the administrative, uh, let's say the administrative skill set, because you're you're working a lot with people's profiles, the presentation of them, and you're looking at... uh, you're putting their pa- the, you're putting the package of them together. Do you find that that gives you an advantage in terms of being insightful as to how the market is progressing, what other people are doing, and therefore your own moves?
1: For sure. So, um, graciously, like when I when I did underwriting for um, some brokers in Hamilton as well, they they did a lot of volume, so I got to see a lot of files, and a lot of them, um, Synergy Mortgages Group, were were really investor focused with our clients. We help a lot of investor clients scale up. So, anytime someone was buying something and we were underwriting a file, we would always say, okay, here's what the purchase looks like. But we would build out the eventual refinance. So, when we're having a conversation with a client, we're proactively showing them mul- like multi transactions in advance of them getting there. So, tying that to myself, hey, I'm going to buy this property. What does the refinance look like on the back end? I was able to underwrite that myself and see the literal math of how that would look, right? Which was super advantageous um to explain to my wife yeah. what it would look like
2: um and furthermore see like the actual clarity on paper myself yeah. right. right so actually sorry uh, let's take a step back so yeah. how did you acquire your very first property like because you're a mortgage agent at the time or like uh, around that time i would assume that the the financing part can be a little challenging
1: yes so the structure i had when i bought my first home um i, I did have a, a guaranteed income in place with some um mortgage agent commissions on the side so the guaranteed income that i had coupled with my wife, we were able to buy our first property in Hamilton with 5% down. Um, Again, this was in 2017. So prices were a little bit more favorable. Um, It was a great time. (laughs) Um, Still a great time as well. I think it always is. Um, So no issues on the qualifying end. But again, to Andrew's point, um, I was able to underwrite, make sure I qualified for what I was buying as well. So that, 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 that insight and that and being immersed in that really helps when I'm kind of growing my own portfolio. Right? Yeah,
0: I really t- everything that really tells us because you know you see you people tend to seek, uh, realtor perspective very often for advice and uh, to have the pulse on the market. But now, from what you're saying, it actually makes me think that mortgage brokers probably have a very good thumb on the pulse of the real estate market. You know, what's happening? Like, you probably noticed immediately when there was a decline just because of the mortgage applications, approvals, denials, all these things. It probably played huge into the perspective. You probably had great insight into the market shift.
1: 100%. Uh, even just constant lender updates, like, Um, Lenders themselves, like we build partnerships with lenders, so we make sure when we submit a file, we get quick responses for clients, right? So lenders are in touch, Um, the business development slash account managers for those lenders are conversing with us daily, giving us uh, market trend updates, Um, analysis on um, maybe some underwriting changes on their end, what they forecast rates to look like, the volume of applications they see coming in, so many different things that almost on a daily basis affect the market, maybe just not instantaneously, mm. maybe a month or two down the road that we're able to see up front, which is uh, which is cool. Hugely
0: advantageous. Yeah. And actually, that's one of the things I want to talk about. I feel that a lot of the listeners uh, we have will find it very insightful to get your perspective on how the market is shifting and also what it means for people who are looking to qualify for mortgages, right? So look, like, what are some of the biggest challenges? I know when Ping asked you, you said, you know, what are some of your challenges? And the question is right now, <laughs> because right now is a very unique time. Right, and things are changing. Things are in flux. What is your take on that, from the perspective of somebody doing mortgages?
1: Yeah, so um, I'll touch on the investor clients first, because obviously you guys are investors yourselves. So the investor clients we work with, when you're buying a property, and I'm going to tie it back to the to the social media aspect again. of we're in an age where, um, if you're investing in real estate, more often than not, people are sharing their stories on social media. They're sharing. Um, how they did it. Um, Some of the successful real estate investors are doing coaching programs and bringing on students and showing them how to do it. So, I'm finding personally that obviously interest rates are going up. There's a little bit of uncertainty in the market, but the investors that we work with, they're savvy. Um, They're not acquiring properties where the numbers don't make sense. They're acquiring properties because they're getting the right education. You guys bring that to the table too with uh the events and promotions promotions that you put on and the content you guys do. Um where um unless you're you're living under a rock and you're just trying to buy real estate on your own and not talk to anyone, there's a lot of information out there to do it correctly. So although the market is in a little bit of uncertainty, interest rates are aggressively increasing. I'm seeing clients just purchase the right properties. Whether that's two units, three units, whether they're buying a property and adding a second unit Making sure that the rental income that they're getting from those properties has a large enough cushion that an, I- an increase in interest rates doesn't make a massive difference to to their portfolio or to their monthly ca- cash flow, right? So I also think that's on the mortgage agent working on those files as well to educate clients, to almost be a partner in a way throughout the transaction and make sure the property that they're buying makes sense. I'm not seeing a crazy amount of things not make sense anymore based mm-hmm. on interest rates rising or the market. Being in an uncertain kind of state because the investors we work with they know what they're doing and I think any investor out there has the ability they don't know what they're doing to learn what they're what they sh- what they should be doing based on the amount of information that you have out there
0: right the the way you're saying that I almost I almost assume that you're going to now contrast that with single family home buyers people who are looking to move into their homes right what is the what do you think is that is the most significant contrast point to that.
1: First-time buyers, I think we all know during the pandemic, it, it was really tough. The average first-time home buyer doesn't have 20% sitting around for for a property, doesn't have 100K sitting around, right? Normally, they have 5% or 10% down. Mm-hmm. So during the pandemic, when we saw a crazy influx of pricing, um, it was really hard for those first-time buyers that are deserving of mortgages to actually acquire a property that they're not underwater in from day one. Now on the reversal, prices are leveling out because interest rates are rising. Again, the uncertainty point there, um, maybe there's not 15 people looking at the same property anymore because there's a little bit of uncertainty. But at the end of the day, the first-time homebuyers, they value home ownership. They want, they want that. Um, they want to raise their family in the home. They want stability in buying a property. And now they have that opportunity. Um, so I'm not seeing a slowdown on that end really either. I'm just seeing first-time homebuyers needing to have a lot more conversations with with their professionals on the real estate end, uh, on the mortgage end as well, and just needing reassurance that like, th- this is the right thing. And to know it's the right thing, you kind of, again, have to see things on paper. And what I mean by that is like, purchase price ranges for first-time buyers, giving them clarity. Hey, we don't have to just uh, pre-approve you for 900K based on the real estate market anymore. We can actually pre-approve you for 700, 600, and then you can go out there and make the decision that's that's comfortable for you. So that's something I'm seeing now is ultimately first-time buyers having options, yeah. um, which is cool to see.
2: Ashley, I remember that you're doing a lot of scenarios. Uh, when you're talking to any buyers kind of walk us through how you do that for your clients because uh, a lot of mortgage broker at least like that that we're speaking to they usually just uh, provide us with a quick yes or no answer with a pre uh sorry the the pre-approval value right but with you i notice that you do like two pager try to explain everything upfront, uh try to be as detailed as possible in terms of the the options kind of walks us through how you process that.
1: Uh, yeah, appreciate appreciate the question. So just piggybacking off what I just said, the conversation I have with clients is look like anyone can quote you an interest rate and anyone can give you your max pre-approval budget, send you on your way and say, let me know when you buy a house. What I have found valuable because it's what I wanted just for my own peace of mind, buying a house is a big deal, right? When I pre-qualify a client, I'll show them their max. I'll show them what that looks like. Hey, if you buy for 700, you qualify for it. Here's what that looks like. But again, Here's 650 here's 600 here's 550 Hey, here's actually 750 if you find a property that has an in-law suite in it because you can use that rental income and qualify for that property, right? So I'd give those clients um, that are in that stage a scenario sheet, basically a Excel spreadsheet with variations of price points, uh, down payment, um, mortgage payments, et cetera, and just say, hey, like I want you to look at this. Buying a house is a big deal. Let's make sure we find that comfort point. For you and your budgeting.
0: I really like that actually. I like that a lot because, you know, I've had experiences with mortgage brokers and I find sometimes they treat me in a certain way that really seems lazy on their part, right? And it sounds like you're putting in effort into your clients and that must, and, and it demonstrates care and consideration, you know, by looking at their situation holistically and giving them a good understanding i can see how that can also be time consuming you know to explain these things to each person and give everybody a report and i know some mortgage brokers will take the approach just tell them yes or no and then if it doesn't work out ghost them don't even talk to them later right and then it's just like people end up finding themselves in these situations where they purchase the property because the mortgage broker told them that yes you can afford this and then when they really look into it it's like It was a soft yes, peer approval. But it sounds like you don't do that. You actually want to make sure that people know what they're getting into. For me, you mentioned like I'm a born and raised Hamiltonian.
1: Uh, My community is important to me. I I service all of Canada for mortgages, but my main sphere of of clients in my circle that are buying their first home, they're, they're usually people within my network or my extended network. And my reputation is like on the line whenever I service a client, right? And I'm always thinking of like long term career-wise, put in the time, do the right thing for those clients. Most clients, just transparently, they have multiple transactions over their lifespan. So if you do an awesome job for a first-time homebuyer or any client and you do something that maybe someone else hasn't done and you take that time, you're going to have a client for life. And that's ultimately how I think you should look at any, any transaction. Obviously, we're, we're mortgage agents. We're in sales. But we're also in like the long term commitment game. And
0: that's the way I look at things anyway. So people want to feel valued and it's very important overall. So it's good that you are able to demonstrate that. I want to ask you right now, since you have this insight, there are obviously challenges coming up from people who want to get into real estate, who want to apply for mortgages that they're now facing. What are you seeing people do that is successful uh, in order to now overcome that barrier, right? Like, for example, we have people, new investors wanting to get into the market and they get demoralized because now the qualification is harder. You know the payments are more expensive. how what are you seeing in people successfully overcoming these barriers? Uh, on the investor side and clients trying to buy rental properties and whatnot or well, I mean, uh, you know that's actually an interesting distinction because even some people who are first-time home buyers are also like doing it for investment purposes, right? so it really it really just depends. but yeah. you know i'm I'm open to hear both because I feel people just want to know how roughly.
1: I'll start with actually, buying a rental property that you're um have the intention of renting out and then I'll touch on um maybe first time buyers buying a property with it also being an investment as well right mm-hmm. um but the investor clients again like they are savvy um I'm making sure I'm chatting with their real estate agents um and making sure that like they're looking at properties that uh fit the bill for their qualifications so um one thing to note not everyone knows this I know we always like to focus on what's the interest rate everyone wants to know what's my interest rate I want the lowest interest rate So do I. We all do, right? Um, But different lenders have different ways that they calculate rental income. So for example, big bank A might use 100% of your estimated annual rents on your property, and therefore you qualify with them for a certain amount. Big bank B might only use 50% of your annual estimated rental income. Mm. Well, you qualify for a lot less, right? The conversations are a lot more heavier. They take a lot more time because every client wants the best interest rate possible. But hey, maybe you qualify with this lender for a lot more, and that's needed to scale up and grow your portfolio. And maybe the interest rate is a quarter, a quarter point more than this lender who you only qualify for X amount on. Educating clients, explaining again how underwriting works with different lenders, and making sure that we optimize their file accordingly based on the property they're trying to buy um, and where their interest rate uh, slash qualification is landing um, is more important than it was during the pandemic when lenders were just kind of handing out almost one percent interest rates and in, in approving everyone right so
2: let's say if uh, any investor or single family buyer they want to proceed with a uh, with a, a lender right what are the things that they need to pay attention to because I understand that every lender has a different role, the renewal fee, the, the early termination fee and all that stuff. Yeah. What are the things that you would recommend people watching out? Um, again, I'll
1: tie it to the interest rate conversation. When, when you're buying a property and um, you're trying to grow your rental portfolio, most of the time you want flexibility with your portfolio. You want to be able to maybe refinance. You want to be able to maybe sell. You want to add another unit and you again you want to refinance when you add another unit because you've added value to the property, right? So ultimately like mortgage product wise, what people should be looking for is flexibility with the product they're getting into. Doesn't always tie to the lowest interest rate out there. It ties to maybe maybe a bit of a a premium on your interest rate, but being able to make a maneuver that can level you up with another transaction down the road via leveraging that property that you
0: bought. right? You see, that's actually very insightful because it also tells us that, you know, if you have a mortgage broker that isn't going to understand what you're doing and why you're doing it, how is that mortgage broker supposed to give you sound advice? Because if they don't know what type of mortgage you're looking for because they don't know what your business plan is, you almost can't necessarily give them the correct product that is right for them. One of the number one things I'll
1: ask clients is, what are your plans with this property? That's one of the first questions that I'll ask, because that matters. I say this thing to clients, friends and family all the time, but if you walk into the mall and you get a new cell phone plan that's a year or two years long, you're usually pretty weary of what the terms are of that one or two year uh, contract at the, at the phone booth, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, well, a mortgage term is five years. A lot can happen, especially yeah. if you're an investor. Even if you're a first-time homebuyer, life happens. You maybe want to sell, refinance. Um, we have a global pandemic. You lose your job. Literally happened. There's many scenarios that come up. So flexibility is key, in making sure clients are aware. Like if you're trying to make moves, like this product is probably the right product for you. And again, it's not always centered around an interest rate. It's centered around long-term advice. Um, to minimize the lifespan of your mortgages that you're going to take on.
2: Did you find that a, a, a loan, a mortgage with a lower interest rate, usually comes with a higher penalty when they need to, when when yes. the clients need to do refi.
1: Yeah, or even just restrictive terms. Pain. One one of the things um, that comes up sometimes is maybe the lowest interest rate product has what's called a bona fide sales clause within it. it means you can only get out of your mortgage if you sell your property. Um, oh, I've seen that come up. Do yeah. lenders do that? Uh, there are some lenders, yes, that in the A space that have that in place, yes, yeah, yes.
2: W- which are the the lenders that you recommend? Because it sounds like you've seen it. Oh, how many lenders are you working with? Thirty five plus. Thirty five plus. Um, Thirty five plus lenders. You know, yeah, that, that many right. people giving out money. Pardon me. <laughs> didn't know there were that many people giving out money. <laughs> <laughs> so how many? Uh, I just want to get an idea for the investors out there who want to have that kind of flexibility over, um, maybe just slightly lower interest rate. Which lenders should they be looking at? Or it really depends on the application?
1: Depends on the application. Um, the big bank lenders are obviously the main go-tos. Still, for the majority of people, you can you can reach 10 properties within your portfolio in the A lending big bank space. But again, different lenders have different calculations that they use for uh, rental income. Here's an interesting one as well. Sometimes people have a home equity line of credit and they're using that home equity line of credit for down payment on a property. Well, let's say you have a $300,000 limit on your home equity line of credit, but only a $100,000 balance on your home equity line of credit, some bid banks will associate a payment as if there's a $300,000 balance, as opposed to an actual uh, $100,000 balance in reality, right? So um, different calculations, you might qualify for a lot more with one as opposed to the other. But majority of the bid banks, to answer your question, they all have the same sorts of products. So I don't think leaning towards one or the other is, is an answer I can give a definitive on. But as you grow and you acquire more properties, those bid bank lenders... Um, it might be tougher to
0: qualify or file at one as opposed to the other.
1: Have a conversation with a mortgage agent.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Actually, that, that that brings us to the point because you are obviously very insightful. So we want to know if anybody wanted to get in touch with you for mortgage advice to share with us, to share with them as you are sharing with us, how can they get in touch with you? Uh, yeah, for sure. Um, I'll be here for a little bit longer. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs>
1: no. um, you can email me anytime. Uh, my email is ashton at lambert com. I'm on Instagram as well um underscore ash lambert um that's underscore ash lambert
0: <laughs> I mean, so, we'll put a link yeah, uh, yeah, so yeah we're, maybe we'll put a link uh, below yeah it we're easier. gonna we're gonna leave some information in the <laughs> description or we'll put it somewhere here on the screen so that every so that people are able to get in touch with you you know the phone number is going on the internet right so you know we always want to be a little fair careful. enough <laughs> fair enough right okay. But no, yeah. but, by the way, this is all really great information. And the thing is that there's a lot of very standard questions that people have. It sounds like there's a lot of different understandings and there's a lot of misconceptions. So I want to start to uh, you know wrap up our mortgage talk with just one of the with the question of what do you think is one of the biggest misconceptions people have about mortgages? And whether it's applying or having them, what do you think is the biggest misconception?
1: Biggest misconception is that people assume they will just be approved. Mortgages are a lot tougher to qualify for than they were. 10 years ago, there was a lot of criteria in place. There are a lot of requirements in place. Um, So something I tell everyone is don't assume anything with your mortgage application. Your file might work somewhere. It might not work elsewhere. And maybe you go chat with someone and they say yes, but then you go to someone else, they say no. You don't know why they said no. So don't make any assumptions um, and always have a proactive conversation in advance. If you want to buy in a year, six months, three months, whatever it is, have a conversation now so you can identify things and make sure that the assumptions you might have don't lead you to maybe a result that you didn't anticipate.
2: A lot of uh, investors are first-time home buyer. When they're trying to qualify for mortgage, how long do you need that source of income, source of saving, uh, for the down payment to be in the bank account?
1: Are you, are you referring to a, like a first-time buyer just buying a property, or sure, like with an A
2: B lender, like, like a bigger banks?
1: Majority of banks, they're gonna ask you for ninety days 90 of days. bank statements and make sure that you have the liquid down payment within it. But here's the thing, again, don't don't ever make assumptions. So. I actually had a file, quick little story we'll call it Klein X. They were pre-qualified. They, they weren't working with myself, which is totally fine, but they were pre-qualified. They bought a house, and then the lender asked for 90 days of bank statements to close the transaction off. The person that they were working with, unfortunately, they didn't ask where your down payment's coming from. There was a gift from a family member in Turkey. That was basically the down, the source of the down payment. Mm. Funds from out of country need to be in a Canadian bank account for 90 days before you can use them for down payment on a property in Canada. Person didn't know big that. Problem. Yeah. So big problem. So again, don't make any assumptions and always have a proactive conversation. That That was a one-off, but you can imagine there's a lot of things that happen. There's a lot of mortgage transactions that go on. And uh, just make sure that you're being guided the right way.
0: What do you what, what would you say are the next steps for you? You know, what's what's the next thing for Ashton Lambert in terms of either your your mortgage broker work or real estate investing? What's your next big step? Next step for us is um,
1: upgrading our primary residence, and uh, this ties into to something I wanted to to mention. We'll be converting the home that we live in to a rental property. I had a colleague actually say to me that it's easier to retain a property than it is to obtain a property. So for me, uh, me, my wife and and my family, our strategy is obtaining properties and then retaining them. Mm -hmm. So we'll be converting our property into a rental that we currently live in, renting that out and. and uh, upgrading our primary residence and again that ties into scaling and leverage which you guys would know best as well right so
0: so we're going to leave some information about Ashton in the description so if anybody wants to reach out to him check him out there this was an episode where we still have more questions that we would like to ask him so if you guys have any questions make sure to let us know we'll bring him again on the show to continue this conversation as always make sure to like subscribe and review this if you're watching on a podcast channel and we'll see you on the next one